Um, I'd like to introduce Laura, and I thought a nice way to do that would be a couple of questions. I have actually sprung these on you, so you have no idea what I will ask. So, this is Laura Ryder. She lives in Bradford, which is a very long way north. Um, But you have a long connection with Reading, don't you? I was born in Reading. Yeah, in the Royal Barks Hospital. And what else connects you to Reading? Uh, I lived in Reading. (laughs) I can thank uh, Nikki Wisdom for that. She brought me to Reading. Cool. Is that on? Is that on? I don't know. Yeah, you're on. Yeah. All right. So what do you do for a living? So I work for an organisation just outside of Bradford called Mercy Ministries. And what do they do and what do you do for them? Uh, okay, you may, you, you're making me big myself up. I'm trying to stay a little. Just context. So um, I am the corporate director for an amazing organisation called Mercy and we exist to provide opportunities for women to uh, experience God's unconditional love, his forgiveness and his life transforming power through a residential discipleship programme. And most of them are dealing with issues of self-harm, of eating disorders, of... Um, perhaps abuse or trauma in their past and their coping mechanisms that they've adopted to try and handle those things are not going so well and not necessarily very healthy and a lot of them already have a relationship with God they're already in church but they've recognized that actually who they're hearing God to be uh, in a service and who they're experiencing him to be aren't the same and there's a, a mismatch and they've got to a place in their lives where actually they're like, I, I want to know God for who he really is and not through the lens of my past or the lens of my belief system. And I want to, uh, and so we provide a free of charge six month program for them to come and stay with us and actually provide a safe place for the walls and the, the barriers to come down to be able to encounter God for who he really is and build their own relationship with him. And we do it all in partnership with local churches because six-month program isn't going to change someone's life, but the community, people gathering together like this is, um, as they have people to come alongside them and walk, do the journey together. So that's what I have the privilege of doing. As a corporate director, I oversee the, the charity side of it, so the finances, the HR, the IT, the policy and process of running the organisation. It's it's on completely based, built on donations, so it's a faith-based charity. So we raise about a million pounds a year to do that, which sounds like a big number, but to God, it's actually quite small, and he seems to do it. So, yeah, that's what I do. Have you done anything wacky or adventurous or a little bit nuts in the last year or so? In the last year or so? So a couple of years ago, I climbed Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. That was pretty cool. I'm an adventurer at heart, Joey. You you know that. I do. So (laughs) what I think is wild and crazy uh, is probably way out there. And my general life, I think, is probably quite wild for most people. I spend a lot of time on the M1. My family still live just outside of Oxford. So me and the M1 are, are quite familiar with one another. The service stations, you know, which one shall we stop at today? So, yeah. Lovely. Thank you. Great. Brilliant. Um, I feel a little bit nervous, actually, because this is kind of like an extended family to me. Like, Reading holds a piece of my heart. And I was actually... So I left about eight years ago, and I was really sad to leave. It wasn't a, yippee, I'm out of here. See you later, Reading. It was actually a, I can't believe that this is it. I can't believe that I'm going. I remember the day that I packed up my car to move to Bradford, 
Um, can, I, can I move? I'm just going to move this forward. There we go. I don't um, and uh, I, I was like, oh, this is an exciting adventure. I'm going to Bradford. I'm going to do this leadership course. And I packed up all my car. My sister was with me. And then when it was all packed, I just burst into tears. And I was like, I can't, I can't go. I can't leave. <laughs> Becca, my sister, she's not a Christian or anything like that. She didn't really know what to do with me. She doesn't really see her big sister in, in, in floods of tears. She's like, should, should we get a coffee? <laughs> and uh, well, that was the beginning of a brand new adventure for me moving to Bradford and leaving my friends here. And um, it's been challenging, but actually what I have discovered about God and who, have, who I've discovered I am in God and the passion that I had for people to, to want to help people fulfill their potential just exploded, I guess, with the opportunity of working at Mercy. And I realized that God is a dream giver and that when you really do lay, lay out your dreams before him, that he, he makes them happen. So my background, when I worked in Reading, I worked in finance. I worked for the NHS as a management accountant. And I thought I couldn't see how finance and wanting to help people could ever marry together. I just thought I'd taken a wrong path somewhere and that that was it for me, forever down this road of bean counting and spreadsheet watching. And suddenly, um, yeah, this isn't what I wanted to talk about, but I'll just tell you this anyway, because it's, it's quite cool. Um, I heard about Mercy when I lived in Reading. I met a girl who had a really severe eating disorder, and she told me she'd applied to this place called Mercy Ministries. I didn't know who they were, what they did, and she explained to them, and something just ignited in my heart. I was like, I have to do something for them. I have to. So I just started raising money uh, and doing kind of sponsored things. Then when I moved to Bradford, I thought, oh, what a coincidence. They're, like, close by to the reason why I was in Bradford. And I got up to Bradford, and I realized the church that I was part of, everyone knew about Mercy there. So I thought, well, what are they? They don't want me. They've got, like, a whole host of volunteers they can use. Like, I'm, I just discounted myself straight away. But it kind of wouldn't leave me, so I went to speak to them, and, and they said, well, send us your details, and we'll see if there's anything you can do. Well, that was like a complete shut door for me, because I'm like, well, this is about helping people. How are they going to use someone with finance in helping people? But eventually I sent it off, and the very day they got my form, they called me, said, we have been desperately praying for someone with finance skills to come and help us. Our finance manager goes on maternity leave in two weeks, and we have nobody who knows how to do anything to do with money. Like, you're the answer to our prayers. And uh, I guess I just say that to encourage each of you that... We're so good, aren't we, to discount ourselves, to think less of ourselves and to think that what's in us and the ability that we have isn't enough for what someone needs to be able to take something forward. And I just learned personally that, no, like the things that you have in your heart and the desires to to do and accomplish things, they they will happen when you let God in and when you partner with him and He just, it overwhelmed me, it overwhelmed me that he could set me up with such an opportunity that married my heart and my passion with the skill that I just accidentally fell into. And that's the very thing that has caused me to end up with the job that I've got, doing something that I love um, in a place that is beautiful, and then still being able to come back down south and say hello to friends and family. So, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Um, when I was praying and thinking about today, uh, there was a verse that came 
to mind the most. I'm not sure if it was more because it was for me, trying to calm me, or whether it's for you, but I thought that would be a good place to start. And it's in Philippians 4, um, and it's verse 6 and 7. And it will be familiar to all of you. Like, I don't think what I'm going to bring today is necessarily going to be, like, um, explosive in terms of a new concept or a new idea, but sometimes we need to go back to the foundations because if we're going to keep growing in God, we need to check what's at the, the root of it. So Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And um, I'll let the the Bibles get handed out. (laughs) You're going to look very studious now by turning to the right page. (laughs) Just so you can check that I read out the right verse. I like it. Yeah, it's good. It's good to run the, you know, do the checks. If I was really clever, I'd be like, it can be found on page something or other. So I'll read it out again. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I don't think that will be a new verse to a lot of you. I think you'll have heard that before, but sometimes they're the verses that we brush over quickly and think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a nice verse. But I just wanted to ask Two questions, really, from that verse today uh, in the time that I've got. And the first question is, are you a worrier or a warrior? I have to, like, really enunciate your words when you say that. A worrier or a warrior? Because Paul starts these verses with, do not be anxious. But there's a difference between feeling anxious and being anxious. And he isn't saying in the verse... It's wrong to feel anxious. He's not saying that it's wrong to feel worried. But what he's creating an opportunity and an invitation by that, I think, is what are you going to do with that worry? When you feel anxious, when you feel worried, don't become anxious. Don't be anxious in it. And actually, there's a, there's a, there's a two-step process. Does that make sense? Um, in that, um, the message version translates it as don't fret or worry And the definition of worry from the dictionary is to give way to anxiety or uh, to give way to a sense of uncertainty. So it describes it as a a verb. It's it's something that requires action to it, which means that there's a choice about whether we do it or not, whether we choose to worry or not. But there's a difference between feeling worried and becoming and being worry. You see, a worrier will feel that anxiety, will feel something going on, and allow it to then define a response in them. So um, I'll give you a personal example. Uh, Like, I feel quite nervous about being here because these are my friends, and and I love lots of you in the room, and so I, I want this to encourage you, and I want this to be a good morning for you, and I don't want to be a disappointment. And so anxiety, I can feel anxious about that. But if I allowed that to actually tell me that I am going to be a disappointment and that I am going to let my friends down and they're going to wish that they hadn't invited me and actually who they think I am is not really who I am, 
and it's going to expose me, can you see how that response would actually start drawing me away from bringing what I know God has put in me to bring? And then, but if I can go, I, I feel anxious about this, but I know that they love me, and I know that they're on my side, and I know that actually, even if it was the worst message that they'd heard, that they would still encourage me and say, it's so good to see you, it's so good to have you with us, we're so glad that you, you came this way. And so my response is not determined by my feelings. And so a warrior will feel anxious and respond from that place of anxiety. A warrior will feel anxious but take courage to believe something different despite the feelings of anxiety that are around them. Um, Paul says, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the message translates that, instead of worrying, pray. Let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And that makes me think, the very first Bible verse I ever learned when I first got saved was 1 Peter 5 verse 7, which says, give all your worries to him because he cares for you. And um, it was quite a profound thought for me to realize that God cared about me that much. I didn't grow up with a lot of, um, like, I knew that I was loved, but it wasn't necessarily outwardly expressed a lot. I wasn't affirmed with, we love you, we believe in you, we support you. It was all quite... um, uh, like a stealth operation to, to, to share love. And so that verse really meant something to me, that actually God wanted to hear my worries and he listened to them and he cared about them. And as some versions say, cast all your anxiety onto him because he cares for you. And I think that's just such a great imagery of what it, of what it looks like to actually literally offload everything you're feeling anxious about onto God. And that he wants to carry those things. So this talk for me. I can't control your responses. I can't control what's going on in your lives at the moment to know how much you're listening to what I'm saying. And if I feel anxious already about it, I could start trying to need to control that and think, okay, are you listening to me? Like, who's nodding? Who's smiling? Who's asleep? Oh, my goodness, they're asleep. They don't want to be here. Or I can be like, you know what, God? I feel anxious about them not listening, and I just put it on him. It's not my responsibility to control your response. It's only my responsibility to look after me and to control and to manage and make a free choice of of my response. Dreams of my future, they're uncertain. I'm not married. I'd love to be. I can't control that, though. I can't make that happen. I could use that to feel anxious and, and worried and condemned about, or I could choose to go, you know what, God, you know the desires of my heart, and I just take that off, and I put that on you, and I choose to trust you. Um, feelings come from somewhere, don't they? Like, they don't just magically appear, they're actually rooted in something, and if you imagine a tree where you've got roots underground, you've got branches above the ground, feelings are a bit like the branches above, but they've come from somewhere, So they're fed by beliefs, they're fed by thoughts, they're fed by circumstances and situations. Um, And you don't cast your anxiety onto God by denying your feelings or ignoring them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that my response to 
feeling ang anxious is like, nope, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel anxious, I don't feel anxious at all. It's actually acknowledging it and then making a, a response uh, against it. Um, I've got a three-year-old niece. She's called Orla. I call her my ginger ninja because she's got an Irish daddy and she's inherited every single Irish gene going for her. So she's got bright blue eyes, bright ginger hair, and uh, she's adorable. I, I, I like, I, I, yeah... I could not spend enough time with her. She's so good. Uh, when I'm with her, she has absolutely no problem with handing me everything that she doesn't want anymore. So if she's bored of wearing her coat or if she's too hot, she just takes it off, hands it to me. If she doesn't want to play with a particular toy anymore, she just casts it off to me. If she is done with her food or her drink, she just shoves it in my hands. Like There isn't a question of whether I'm supposed to carry it or whether it's mine to carry or whether she should be passing it to me. She just does it. And I just think that's a picture of how we should be with God. Like, actually, there's just a, well, Auntie Laura will carry it. Like, I don't need it anymore, so why do I need to carry it? And just, I think that's the kind of way I want, I want to respond to God. But, you know, I'd love to encourage you to as well, that same just complete, like, well, I don't want this anymore, so I don't want to carry it. You can have it now. Uh, you know, well, I don't want to ride my bike anymore, so you can take it now. Like, uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, no problem. And it's not her problem for me to know how to carry those things. That's for me to, to manage. What do I need to put down? What do I need to pick up? And it's the same with God. We don't need to help God carry our stuff. Like, he's big enough to carry it on his own, and he's broad enough to know what bits need to go where and what bits need to be dealt with first. Um, we can feel anxious about all sorts of things. And this isn't as well about saying... I think sometimes we respond to worry with, oh, that's stupid. That's such a stupid thing to worry about. And, and we condemn ourselves by thinking that's irrelevant. Why am I even worried about that? But there's nothing too big or too small. We, it's just a response to, to what's going on. Um, and we have to acknowledge them. There's no condemnation in Jesus, which means that there's no worry that is too big or too small in terms of how we feel about it. He cares about the small things and he cares about the big things and he cares about the seemingly insignificant things and he cares about the seemingly very significant things. Like he loves us and therefore he'll take all our stuff in that as well. Like his love is for us. I don't know what you feel anxious about today. I think it's probably quite a common problem amongst women particularly, so I'm sure that there will be things that come to mind. But you have an opportunity to cast all of it onto God, literally peel off the layers and hand it to him. And acknowledging the feelings, acknowledging that you feel anxious doesn't give those feelings more power. It empowers you, though, to make a choice about your response to them. And when we try and deny them, we actually give them more control over us than when we actually acknowledge them. Uh, just written down here, those feelings don't need to turn into beings. <laughs> so feeling anxious doesn't have to turn into being anxious. Um, I'll just go back to the definition of worry that I gave, because it means to give way to anxiety or a sense of uncertainty. And um, I just thought I'd pick up a bit on the nature of uncertainty because life's really uncertain. We can't control what is going to happen to us moment by moment. We can try, 
but ultimately there are things outside of our control. And um, it holds this incredible power over us when we try to, to manage those things. Um, it, uncertainty seems to have this incredible power to make us believe that something is true when it's not actually based on anything substantial, um, which makes me think of that acronym for fear. I'm sure you've heard of it before, but fear spelt false evidence appearing real. I saw a shaking head, which means that you've learned something today. Yay! Um, Uncertainty is made up of the same stuff. False evidence appearing real. Like we look at, it's almost like we look at a blank piece of paper and make a decision about what we think it, life is going to look like for us when there's actually nothing saying yes or no against that. We've just made a choice about what that looks like. And um, one of the things that I'm really passionate about, which is a little bit weird, uh, but I am really, really passionate about exposing the schemes of the enemy and actually helping people be reminded and realize how little and how powerless he is over Jesus and how much Jesus has won on our behalf and how he tries to make big things, small things, look big and uncertain situations look scary because as soon as he can get us to give way to our feelings of anxiety and become anxious, we are actually giving him power to feed our belief systems and to feed our thoughts. Um, Let me see, I'm kind of going off page a little bit. I've read uh, in the, like, I've heard or read something that says there's 365 references in the Bible saying, do not fear. Like, how cool is that? Like, one for every day of the year, there's a verse that says, do not be afraid or do not fear or trust me, or be of, you know, be strong and courageous. And, um, like, why would that be if it's not? Because it's actually our biggest enemy to moving forwards. Like, fear is the enemy of faith. Fear is the enemy. When you're faced with uncertainty, you've, you've got two ways to go, haven't you? Do you choose to believe the best, or do you choose to believe the worst? And, quite a lot of us actually choose to believe the worst because we've been disappointed in the past or we've been hurt in the past or we've been just we've failed in the past and we don't want to repeat those things so we we kind of opt for the for the path that seems like more manageable but actually sometimes we remove ourselves from all some of the really great stuff that's available to us Uh, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says now faith is being sure of the things we hope for and certain of the things we do not see. That's speaking about what isn't visible to our natural eye. That's, that's the choosing the, the path that believes God is for us over the path that thinks I'm only going to get disappointed. What we believe is really powerful and it shapes our behaviours and our actions. And we can allow our thoughts to be filled with faith or we can allow them to be filled with fear. Uh, the message, uh, I read a lot between the NIV and the message because 
Sometimes I'm a little stupid and it kind of spells it out a little better. And it says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. When faced with anxious feelings, we can choose a faith response or we can choose a fear response. Faith is our firm foundation. That is what the Bible says. That this, it's in Deuteronomy 30, God says, I lay before you life and death, now choose life. This is a similar scenario. It's like when you're faced with anxious thoughts and you're faced with anxious feelings, choose faith. Choose faith. Present your request to God with thanksgiving. Um, it takes courage, though, doesn't it, to choose faith? It takes courage to believe that what's happened in the past isn't going to happen again or that where hope has been disappointed that <clears throat> it's not going to happen again. And uh, courage. I was, just, um, I was praying for someone yesterday and the word courage came to mind so I started doing a bit of research about courage and I don't know if you know this or not but courage comes from the French word cur I'm not French speaker but something like that which means heart which means it's some from comes from within it's an internal strength that we bring to a situation Um, and we need courage to respond to feelings of anxiety or feelings of doubt or feelings of unbelief or feelings of fear about something. The Bible says it again and again, do not be afraid. It's not saying that we will not have feelings of fear, but it's saying when you feel afraid, do not be afraid. I read a quote yesterday by Nelson Mandela, and it says, courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man, or woman, is not he or she who does not feel afraid, but he or she who conquers that fear. And uh, I would love for us all to leave today thinking, I'm a conqueror over fear. I'm a conqueror over, over feelings of anxiety. I'm a conqueror over feelings of insecurity. I'm a conqueror over feelings of not being good enough. I'm a conqueror over feeling afraid of disappointment. I'm a conqueror over feeling that I might fail. I'm a conqueror over feeling that I might get it wrong. I'm a conqueror over feeling like I'm, you know, things aren't going right. Like, and, and it says it, doesn't it, in Romans 8, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Um, this is what, in Romans 8, this is what the message says. And uh, it's a number of verses, but it's too good not to read it all. It says, so what do you think? And I guess this kind of, yeah, is a good way of summarizing what I've just said. What do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way, 
not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. How cool is that? I just think it's amazing that the Bible was written how many years ago? And the way it just... it. It's still living. It still carries life within it. We are victorious in Christ. We are more than conquerors in him who loves us and has chosen us. Like, does, is this, do you kind of, is this good? Like, this is good news for us, isn't it? Where you are feeling anxious today, you can apply this truth. That you may feel anxious. You may feel fear. And I'm not saying that that is wrong. I'm saying Embrace the fact that you feel it, acknowledge it, but in that acknowledgement, you are more than a conqueror over it in Christ Jesus who loves you, who is for you, who at this very moment is representing you before God and saying, she's one of ours, God. She's our daughter. She's one of ours. We need to look out for her. And God's like, okay, son, I hear it. I'm there. We're there. What, do we, what does she need? Let's get her everything that she needs. And he sends it, he sends it our way, but without acknowledging where we're at and how we're feeling, we've shut the doors to be able to receive it. So it's waiting for you, it's right there, waiting for you to grab hold of. But you need to acknowledge how you feel and where you're at to be able to embrace it. Paul says, present your requests to him. God, I feel anxious today. I feel afraid today. God, I feel lonely today. I feel sad today. I feel disappointed. But thank you that you know those feelings and you love me. And thank you that Jesus represents me. And thank you that you promise to give me everything that I need. And so in those feelings, I will not choose to accept that they are the truth about who I am. They are just feelings. Jesus says in John 14, peace, I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Like they're such words of comfort. He's like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I hear you. I hear your feelings. But I'm saying to you, you don't need to be afraid. Some translations say, do not let your heart be lacking in courage. Your courage to face uncertain times, to face those feelings, comes from him. And he desires to, to, to pour that into you. And that brings me to the second part of the verse. The result of choosing that courage, of choosing faith. Of thanking him for his ability in the midst of feelings of inadequacy and feelings of anxiety. And it says, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about what the peace of God looks like. but it, It sounds so powerful in that verse that when we present our requests to him, the power of his peace 
surpasses understanding, transcends all the situation and places a guard around our hearts and our minds. Like, that's like the cavalry coming to a defense in front of us going, nope, she's one of ours. Like, she is, she is not. That is not who she is. She might feel afraid, but she is not afraid. She might feel anxious, but that doesn't mean she is becoming anxious. And, and they come in and they stand against us. God's not threatened by the enemy. He's not threatened by fear. He's confident. He's secure. He is assured in his strength and his victory. Like it says in Psalms that the earth is a footstool for his feet. So he's not even standing like, what's happening? Like he's sitting because he's so assured of the victory that he's already obtained by sending his son. And he carries an authority and an assurance with it. Um, The same assurance that going back to my niece Orla again, when she falls over and runs to her mum or her dad or to me if I'm around for comfort, the comfort doesn't remove, like rewind time and remove the fall. It provides assurance and strength that even though she's fallen, she's going to be okay. And I think that's the same way that peace comes in. It's not, it doesn't rewind time to go, oh, you don't need to feel anxious anymore because that situation didn't really happen. But it comes around us as a blanket to say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yep, that fall was a shock. Yep, that you, I can see why you might feel anxious about that. But I'm here and I'm going to bring comfort and I'm going to bring my peace. And in the same way that all are is comforted by the words, it's okay. The voice of perfect peace says the same things to us. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And I will not let that not happen. I will see to it that my word is accomplished into you. He says, "Um, you have nothing to fear. I who made you will take you back. I've chosen you. I've called you by name. I know who you are. Perfect peace is comforting. It's reassuring. It's encouraging and empowering. And it's calming. It's patient and sustaining. The more I get to know God, the more I discover how little I know of him, but also how completely trustworthy he is. No matter any circumstance or any feeling that I might be experiencing, he's trustworthy. He's so faithful. No matter what my response or reaction to something is, he's a constant. He's ever-present. And he desires to empower us with this peace so that we can stand firm in the victory we already possess in him. And if my first question was, are you a warrior or a worrier, (laughs) my second question to you is, who is the God of your heart? Who is the God of your heart? And this is a bit of an, an analogy that God gave me. I hope I can communicate it. Um, clearly but I want you to imagine your emotions as an information system something developed uh, by God to act as a tool of communication Um, a a bit like a a weather information system I guess like the the weather map Um, 
kind of a dodgy analogy because I don't really understand how they work, but this is the kind of closest thing I could get to try and describe it to you. So a weather forecaster can tell you what the weather is going to look like based on the satellite pictures and satellite images that come down showing the different pressure systems that are over the particular area that you want a weather forecast over. Um, And for us, as untrained weather experts, it's more looking out of the window and going, it feels cold today, or it looks overcast today, or it feels like summer today. We base it much more on what we see and feel than on knowing what the satellite pictures um, actually show. Um, We don't have any reports to actually base that information on other than experience and what we think the clouds might or might not do. Um, If the weather reporter is the guard of the weather map, say, God wants to be the guard of your heart in the same way. Because in the same way that we don't have the expertise to read satellite pictures from weather reports, We don't often always possess the expertise to read what our emotions are actually trying to communicate over the lay of the land of our life. Um, Your heart is described in Proverbs 4.23 as the wellspring of life. And God desires to protect your heart more than any other part of, of your life because out of that is your source of courage, your source of hope, your source of strength, your source of truth. Um... And then that leads on then to an image for me of like a bodyguard or a security guard. Um, You know, the type kind of big muscles, broad shoulders, like suit kind of, you're not going to mess with them. And and like when we see it with the royal family or with celebrities or whatever, they're, they're close by, they're constantly walking with them. They're not interrupting their life. They're not telling them what to do, but they are a constant presence of protection and security. Um, And they provide comfort and peace by having them there. They're there for a reason. They know who the good guys are, and they know who the bad guys are. Um, I I, uh, met a guy recently. He used to be a store detective. And uh, he said that the um, way to uh, to spot shoplifters was to study the behavior of normal shoppers. And... um, So God has a list, if you like, of what someone who walks with him and learns from him and is in relationship with him looks like. Uh, And if you liken those people to characters or to people, you can find that list too in the Bible, and it's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and it's known as the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So the list that he has of this is what someone who's walking with me should be seeing in their life. This is what someone who is in relationship with me should see. It's love, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and self-control. And I don't know about you, but I don't often think I'm possessing all of those things. I think I've got a few other things going on (laughs) that uh, is in that. But when we choose God to be the guard of our heart, That is who he is saying, you can come close, you can stay near, you can be present. And these are the companions that he wants us to do life with. These are the people that he wants us to get to know and understand their character and have free access into us. Because as the feeling of peace is near us, 
And God says, yeah, you're one of the good guys. We start experiencing that peace in the same way, the feeling and being that I talked about with worry. It's like, um, if you think oppositely to that, so not on that list is fear or anxiety or doubt or offense or bitterness. So if they start coming nearby, it's like God has this little earpiece because <laughs> he's not a dictator. He, he walks in relationship with us and on his little earpiece, he's like, um, Laura, see anxiety trying to draw close to you right now. Uh, I've looked on the list. Their name's not on the list. They're not one of the good people that I've got. What would you like me to do about that? And so he's helping us discern we're feeling anxious. An- anxiety is, is close by. Anxiety is present. But he's creating an opportunity for us to choose what we want to do with that anxiety when we choose him to be the guard of our heart. Does that make sense to you guys? And we get a choice then. So, yep, we feel anxious. Do we want to become anxious? Do we want that anxiety to define our response and determine the next step? Or do we want it to be removed? And do we want to experience his peace instead? And it's a free choice. God's not going to make it for us. You know, when you're in... When you've got friendships or in relationship with people, it's a two-way communication process. So he's radiating through, going, what, what would you like to do? Yeah, you're right, you're feeling anxious because anxiety is in your area. What, what do you want to do about that? And when we say, I don't want it, if its name's not on the list, I don't want it, peace comes in. I want peace, I choose peace. Thank you for letting me know. Thank you for helping me see what was going on and peace comes in but because it's a free choice we can also say yep I see it and I know why it's there and it's absolutely right that situation is impossible there's no way that it can change that you know I can't can't do anything about that and um you know and and so I'm gonna feel anxious because it just feels impossible to see any other solution we actually give permission then for the enemy to become a companion in that situation and once he has a foothold he can start speaking more fear more anxiety more uncertainty into a situation you're quite quiet but does that make is this making sense um i guess my good news today is you've got authority to choose what your feelings are going to do and to choose your responses against those feelings. Uh, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, He will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because she trusts him. Uh, how, how are we doing for time? Are we, are we okay? Did we manage to get the DVD? <gasps> Great. I thought I'd... Um, I'd finish with a DVD clip and then I've got a song to play just for you to have your own response um, to what I've been saying. But this DVD is a collection of some of the women that we've helped at Mercy because they've had to do these things just like the rest of us and they've been faced with some 
really terrible situations, some of them. Like, I don't need to go into the details. You'll read, you'll hear some of them as you watch it. But I just wanted to share it as an encouragement to move forward and an encouragement to be strong and an encouragement that God is on your side. So this is um, 27 different women and we gave them a giant piece of cardboard at a celebration dinner that we gave. And on one side of the cardboard, you'll see what their life was like before they discovered who God really was. And on the other side, you'll see what they're doing now and the results of that. We good to go. The Twix founders had a falling out, so production was divided between two factories, which each took a very different approach. Left Twix lavished caramel on biscuits, while Right Twix topped biscuits with caramel. Left Twix then covered. (laughs) Have a Twix. (laughs) He just downed the ad. (laughs) No pressure, don't worry. Oh, great. Well, that wasn't the girls. They don't eat Twixes now. That's not the... Well, they might do, but that's not really... But, um, uh, well, let me think of just some of the things that they say. So, like, one of them comes up, and you can see she's got scars all over her arms. And on one side of the board, it says, um, my scars remind me of my past. And she flips the board over and says, his scars remind me of my future. You know, another one comes up and and says, um, sexual abuse made me want to die. But now I'm living in the fullness of his death and resurrection. Um, There's just continuous stories of hope of what Jesus can do. A mind tormented by lies and now a mind renewed by truth. Um, Like there's a... There's a married couple that come up and, and just talks about how her issues were destroying her life and her marriage. And then God gave her her life back. And her husband's only said, and he gave me my wife back. There's another girl there who never, ever had worn a dress before that evening and saying that she used baggy clothes to cover up her shame about who she was and who she believed she was and that tonight she was wearing a dress for the first time because she knew that she was a daughter of the king. There's another girl who was homeless and said, my home was a cardboard box. And then on the other side she says, but now my home is in his house, in his church, with my church family. There's another girl that says, uh, well, it's not says, it's their, their life. She was um, groomed by a paedophile at the school gates when she was 12 years old. But now she's the program director of Mercy Ministries, helping others to find their freedom in who they are in Him. They're just there's just countless stories. But the thing is, they're not. They are extraordinary people. But we're all extraordinary in that way because all of us have got stories. All of us have got things that, should we let them, can define us about who we are, and what we are able to accomplish. And what we think about ourselves. But the truth is everything that we are is written in the word of God. And if it's not in the word of God, then it's not true. If you think that you're stupid or if you think you're insignificant or if you think you're not accepted or if you think that you're lonely or if you think that you're unloved or if you think that you're nothing much to write home about, like none of those things are written in the word about who you actually are. The word talks about how loved you are, how accepted you are, how significant you are, how much purpose is within your life, how much God did to make sure that your 
the path of your life would walk in a, in a direction that had satisfaction and fulfillment and hope attached to it. And um, he's, he's good. <laughs> he's good. I pray, we're going to listen to a song. So we got the song, um, that as you just listen to this song, a song by a guy called Jason Upton, and it's called Peace. And just as he sings and it plays, I, I pray that you hear the same words that Jesus spoke to the woman with the issue of blood when he said, take heart, take courage, my daughter. Your faith has healed you. And that you'll just take a moment to acknowledge where you might be feeling fearful or doubtful or anxious and that you choose to make an exchange while the song is playing and receive his perfect peace and remember who he is and what he's done and what he will do uh, in you and through you and for you because he loves you.